All right. So we want to just like, as you think about what you already, when you hear, I mean, we use the word fellowship kind of a lot. We name buildings or rooms in buildings, the fellowship hall, right? Like we say that when you get together and, you know, have a potluck that we're having a fellowship meal, we, we throw these word, this word fellowship around a lot, but I just want to pose this question before we even jump really into the lesson, like what is fellowship and what is it not? What does, in your experience, and when you think about that word, what does it look like? What does it not look like? You can jump into either side of that category or either side of the slide there and toss out a suggestion. I think there has to be a depth to it too, you know, like even if it is just a relational depth, like it can be the eating meals and like connecting relationally. Um, but so I'd say it doesn't look like surfacy. Mm-hmm. If that's even a word. <laughs> let's grab your, if you have a Bible nearby, grab it and let's go to Acts chapter two. Um, and we'll kind of take a look and um, maybe kind of continue that same thought of what is fellowship and what is it not. Uh, in Acts 2, we're going to look starting at 42 to the end of the chapter. And what you're going to notice is um, it is really the, the beginnings of the early church and what their church looked like and how they did fellowship and how they, um, yeah, did church and what it looked like. And so I want to just take a second and look at this and you'll see, and like with this idea of thinking through what is fellowship, what is biblical fellowship? What did they do together as we use that word? So I'm going to start reading this is Acts 2, starting in verse 42 to the end of the chapter. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the, and the fellowship. There's our word uh, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles And all who believed were together had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so hopefully as we read through that, you see like, I mean, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And you start to see this kind of list of different things that, uh, that they did together. They broke bread and they, had, uh, they were praying together and awe came upon every soul. This idea of uh, worship, uh, there were wonders and signs that were done through the apostles. Uh, they, had, they were sharing that they had all things in common. They were giving, they were, there was generosity, right? So there's a lot of these words uh, that kind of can be things that we think of when we think of um, that word uh, fellowship. So I think I'm going to see if I can share my screen now. Um, so we're going to ask, this is our t- goal tonight is to just tackle this, um, this question of what is uh, fellowship. So there was, um, and I forgot the guy's name, there's at the top, Jay Hampton Keithley third. He kind of defined fellowship in, in with these four words. And so the very first thing he said was uh, relationship. He said, fellowship is first and foremost a relationship rather than an activity. The principle is that any activity that follows should come out of 
uh, the relationship. And so this is where, again, to the comment that was made earlier, like I would say that the only way that you're having real biblical fellowship is with another believer, right? We're saying that the relationship is the, is the, um, like the prerequisite uh, to being able to have fellowship. And it's not just, it's not an activity. You can do activities with fellowship, but it's not primarily an activity, but it's a relationship. And you have first John one, three, just emphasizing this idea of the relationship says this, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. There's this idea that our fellowship is based on our relationship with the father or with God and with Christ. And um, so this, just this picture that we, our fellowship is based off of the relationship that we have with Christ and then with each other. Uh, the next aspect of fellowship is that fellowship is not just going to be a relationship, but we actually have a, a, a partnership, this idea that we have a common mission. So here's what um, the article that we read said about partnership. It says, as sharers together of the person and life of Christ, we are automatically co-partners in his enterprise here on earth. And 2 Corinthians 8.23, as an example, says, as for Titus, this is Paul writing, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. This idea that Titus was a partner. They had a common goal of being able to spread the gospel to the world. And so there's this idea that not only do they have this common bond and relationship, but they have a common mission. They have somewhere you're going, a goal to go after, and our fellowship, our, our joint effort in that um, can be fellowship. And I think you've ex probably experienced that. If you've ever gone on like a, some sort of like a missions trip or something like that, where you've been with a group of people that you're, you're working together, there's something, there's our word together again, right? But there's something to be said, like, even if, I don't know, you just come back closer with those people and you have this, there's this common mission that binds you together for the work of Christ that is pretty, I think it's difficult to explain what God's accomplishing there. But it, what it is, is it's biblical uh, fellowship. The other thing it is, is it's companionship. So it's not just, um, yeah, like we said, it's not just having fun uh, together, though it, can, it should be and can be fun. But there's this idea of companionship. And, it, and he said this in the, in the article. It says, we need to be willing to share our burdens and aspirations and be available to hear what others are saying so we may minister to needs according to the directives of the word. The ultimate goal is to build up and enrich others. So you think, uh, Zach, you mentioned the idea of you feel edified. There's that idea there. The ultimate goal is to build up and enrich others in the things of Christ that we may all together experience the sufficiency of his life and tune our lives into his. We need others for that. As the early church was first devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were also devoted to caring for one another and to sharing with one another what they were learning and what Christ was meaning to them. I love reading through that and just this idea that we are, our job when we meet together and hopefully like even this tonight or with your life group or when you meet with your you know, our, our trail groups or for the guys or for the girls, the, the women's Bible studies, like that we are getting gathering together and experiencing the sufficiency of his life and tuning our lives into his. And we can do that as we uh, dive into life together uh, with those around us. And so this idea of companionship. And then the last one is that we are given things and we are called by God to be good stewards of the things that he gives us. So stewardship um, goes along with this as well. And it says good stewardship stems from recognizing our relationship to Jesus Christ, but it also means recognizing our partnership in Christ's enterprise uh, on earth. The passage that there is, is a passage that talks about giving generously and this idea that 
Uh, it even kind of talks about the same idea in the passage we read in Acts 2, this idea that there's no need among those who are in fellowship with one another. That if you see a need and you have the ability to meet that need, uh, that you're able to do that, you can check that passage out uh, if you would like. But the question I just want you to consider is as you read through those four words, relationship, partnership, companionship, and stewardship, the question is, how are we doing with that? Like, are, is, is, are your relationships with the body of Christ defined in many of, uh, in many of those ways? One of our core principles as a church is, I mean, our mission statement is that Mount Calvary Church exists to make disciples who are passionate pursuing Christ. That's our mission, right? That's our partnership, that goal that we have. And we do that through biblical teaching, worship service, community, and missions. And I was a part of the team that kind of tried to help construct this statement. And within that topic of community, we wrote this, and I just thought it was really fitting to put this in here. It says, the Bible describes believers as members of a body with the expectation that we all contribute to the body for a common purpose, the glory of God. Therefore, Mount Calvary Church is not simply a place to attend, but rather a community of people doing life together where everyone can be vulnerable, honest, accountable, and authentic. God's design for his people is not to live in isolation, but to live in relationships that demonstrate his love and good works. Um, and so here's the question I want you to think about. So this is like the big picture idea of, okay, what is community? What is fellowship? And the question I want to consider is this. I think we've, you've probably all had it, experienced it in somewhere along the way. Maybe it's not now, maybe it is now, but like where you've had real, like good, authentic fellowship. And so I want you to think through that time, think of a time, a person, or maybe it was a group of people that you would say you had real authentic fellowship with. What made that so special? Uh, how did it happen? What did it look like? Any of those kind of ideas as you think through times in your life, um, special times where you've had really close relationships with believers, what did that look like and what made it so, uh, so special to you? I'm probably going to, I'm trying to write it down so I don't forget it. I'm probably going to butcher this. It's a Tim Keller quote that I absolutely love. We should totally stick this quote in here somewhere. Maybe we have it in a future week and I'm, I'm ruining it right now. I don't remember. Um, but he says something to the effect of to be loved, but not known. So I always have to like say it slowly. So I make sure I get it right. But to be loved, but not known is superficial. To be known but not loved is our greatest fear. But to be known and loved is a lot like being loved by God. And when we think about that, like Morgan, as you're talking about you know, your ability to be vulnerable, there's something to be able to, to be said that like you can be vulnerable, you can be known and loved, that that satisfies one of the deepest longings that we need in our heart that ultimately God, uh, is the one who enters that space. But when people treat us that way, there's something really special about that. Okay, so then here's the million dollar question, right? If we can think of times where it's great, we can think about, like we would agree that it's necessary, we would agree that it's important. We've had times where we've experienced it and it's been great. Why is it hard? Like, why is it something that's not the norm in our lives? Why is it something that we have to fight for? Why is it something that you know, it's just not as easy as we've just talked about.
And certainly if you've ever been uh, hurt or let down by somebody in your past, it can certainly make it, uh, especially if not, if it's another believer or something that has hurt you or let you down in some way, it can make it hard to you know, let your guard down to somebody else. So that can certainly play into it as well. Um, but yeah, we wrote down some other thoughts. Um, Ray, you may not remember it, but you preached a sermon on it back in January, 2019, a year and a half ago or so. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, like just, it's, it's hard to be known. We, we started that, but it's, we're afraid of the thoughts of others. I found it interesting, even Morgan, as you were talking about the instant gratification, um, I think was, I think Matt talked about this morning, the idea of like Facebook, right? You get that instant, like click, there's a like, like, Oh, okay. Like that, that's something that's easy to, you know, feel like, Oh, you can see the gratification you can, whereas it's just a lot harder uh, to actually have real uh, authentic fellowship, but that it takes time and effort. That's what was uh, one thing that was said. Uh, Maybe you don't know how, maybe you feel like an outsider, um, maybe you feel hypocritical in and of yourself, right? So these are a lot of things that we've, we've talked about. And so what I want to encourage you with, and what we're going to talk about even more the next two weeks or so, is just like, how do we get past some of that? How do we, you know, try to get through um, some of that? Um, Yeah. So maybe you've never thought about this, but it turns out uh, in terms of what does the scriptures teach us about how we should treat one another? Maybe you never paid attention to this. I know I hadn't until somebody kind of pointed it out to me. There are 59 times, and it's a little small, but it kind of adds to my the dramatic effect. Uh, <laughs> there are 59 times in the New Testament where that phrase, one another, shows up, where it's an action that we are to do to or with one another. So you'll see a whole bunch of them say, love one another most of them or maybe even all of them basically coming from uh john but there's other ones that you know carry each other's burdens be patient bearing with one another be kind and compassionate to one another admonish one another encourage each other build each other up like there are 59 times where that phrase of how we should treat each other appears in the new testament and kind of breaking them down, about a third of them are about unity um, in terms of, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, be at peace with one another is the very first one uh, that's there. There's a third of them are about love, many of which literally just say love one another. There's another 15% that would deal with humility. And then there's another hodgepodge of whatever's left there of like greet each other with a holy kiss kind of a thing that don't really fit into any one of those Uh, any one of those categories. But the point of me, uh, the point of me saying that is one another statements can't, you cannot live those things in isolation. Um, It's these are commands that we are given to live out. We're living in this world now where it's like, I can just do church on my own kind of a thing. It's also I think I love that we're obviously doing the live stream and everything. It's really important. But part of the thing that I've thought about is I hope that people like eventually get to a point where you feel comfortable enough to come back that it doesn't become this thing where like oh, i'll just sit at home on my couch and do it right like there's obviously very legitimate reasons to not come in these days but like just being careful to not say oh, i'm good like i don't need to get up and go i don't need to attend this i don't need like showing up we've said that a couple of times now tonight like showing up is important why because you can't it's hard to live out all of those one another statements to be a good listener like when you think through um what it means 
And you can, again, like, I think it's always helpful for me at least to think of somebody, you know, who's a good listener. Okay. Well, how do you know that they're a good listener? What, what do they do well that makes you feel like they're listening to you? And maybe the flip side of this is think of somebody that you're like, you feel like they're never listening to you. Uh, and maybe what do they show? And you'll probably see like just the opposite. It would make them make you feel like they were listening to you. So as we think of fellowship and wanting to do it well and be able to be vulnerable, you need to, if you have people who would listen to you and you need to be able to listen to others. So when you think of a good listener, what do you think of? This one comes back to Morgan's comment, but I think just not multitasking, you know, like I think of when a student comes up to my desk at school, how easy it is sometimes to, you know, I'm doing something or, you know, I'm trying to figure something else out and I'll come up with a math question and how it's like really important to set that aside and like body language, even just like redirect myself towards them uh, versus trying to multitask while I'm talking to them. Because even like, you know, I could be doing something off on the side but giving them eye contact, but even still like that's not conveying full, like I'm fully listening to you kind of body language. It is amazing how a lot of times as you're talking, like as you're saying something out loud, you're like, okay, this is making a little bit more sense as I'm now having to articulate something to somebody else. Like you said, they, a lot of times you can solve your own as you're talking. I know for like RCW, like at school, like I hear that all like too of, of just, um, yeah. Like I tell kids all the time, like I'm not going to be able to fix whatever's going on. Like that, there's a pretty good chance. I am not going to be able to fix whatever you're dealing with, but sometimes it's helpful just to be known or somebody to know what's going on. Um, yeah, there's just value in being able to talk about it. All right. That's awesome. So let's, RC, you want to give me back the screen there? And we'll just finish off with kind of a list that came from our book that we read that I just, I can't even tell you how much I agree with all of what you said and what's here um, of what it takes to be a good listener. And I'm convinced, especially in my role as a teacher, I'm convinced that being a good listener is one of the most underrated character traits. I'm not sure it's a character trait, but being a good listener is incredibly important. Um, and yes, yeah, so let's just run through these came from the book. Uh, but good listening requires patience. Um, good listening means we are in with both ears and we hear the other person until they are done speaking. That's like a summary of a little bit what was in the book. But here's an actual quote. It says, rarely will the speaker begin with what's most important and the deepest. We need to hear the whole train of thought all the way to the caboose before starting across the tracks and i know like we live in a world where everything is we're busy people and to be a good listener requires you to be slow and be patient and hear somebody out all the way down to their toes essentially all the way to the caboose before you start trying to move on to something else so good listening requires uh patience good listening is an act of love um, the book said poor listening rejects good listening embraces Poor listening diminishes others while good listening invites them to exist and to matter. And I love that last, those two phrases at the end, good listening invites them to exist and to matter. I think that goes to the idea of letting somebody be vulnerable to you and you not rejecting them and saying, oh my golly, you actually are crazy. Uh, but you inviting them to exist and that in their, whatever they're struggling with, um, reminding them that they 
matter. I love this one. Good listening asks perceptive questions. I'm not there yet in terms of having my own teenager, but the day is coming, right? So you say, hey, how was your day at school? Good. Like you just like this stuff, one word answers. Um, but good listening asks perceptive questions. Proverbs 20 verse five says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Love that. Man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And here's a quote from the book. It said, good listening asks perceptive, open-ended questions that don't just tee up yes, no answers, but gently peel the onion and probe beneath the surface. It watches carefully for nonverbal communication, but doesn't interrogate and pry into details the speaker doesn't want to share. But asking good questions is super important in being a good listener. Good listening is ministry. There will be days when the most important ministry we do is to square our shoulders to some hurting person, uncross our arms, lean forward, make eye contact, and hear his pain all the way to the bottom. And this speaks to, uh, Morgan, what you talked about, listening with your eyes, right? And RC talked about turning and actually facing someone and like engaging with them and showing them in a physical way that you are, um, that you are in. A good listening is... Uh, a ministry. Good listening prepares us to speak well. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is, it is his folly and shame. And the book said, typically good listening readies us to minister words of grace to precisely the place where the other is in need. But again, to kind of tie up like Morgan, your thought of like that pause, like you're, it's not that you, you've already formulated what you wanted to say as they were talking, you're ready to spew it out the second that they're done. But that you know, you're giving an answer, like that Proverbs verse, if one gives an answer before he hears, you can't formulate an answer until you've heard what somebody has to actually say. Um, and so being able to take in what somebody says and then speak well, uh, words of grace and truth um, to them, you can't do that unless you listen well first. Um, and then the last one, good, and this is challenging, good listening reflects our relationship with God. There's a quote from the book, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. Just this idea that our ability to effectively listen to each other, um, if you can't listen to those around you, it's going to be challenging to, uh, to be able to listen to what God has for you um, as well. So hopefully that's a good, like, just a reminder. I, I think we know it's important to be a good listener, but I feel like sometimes I get myself I don't, I wouldn't say I'm too busy, but I act like I'm too busy to be able to be a good listener to somebody. I know for me personally, the people, the person, people that I struggle to listen to the most are my own children. Ah, that's kind of, I listen, like, as I read through some of this, like, ah, yeah, that's challenging. Like my, my kids, I'm tend to be like quick, like, okay, just like, what's the next thing? Let's move on. But if I want to be like, my wife is way better at this than I am with our kids of, of listening and hearing them out all the way to the bottom. And the reality is, I always say like, well, it's such like a minute thing. It's like not a big deal. She's like, yeah, but to a five-year-old, it is a big deal. And if you don't listen to them when it's, you know, your five-year-old problems, they're not going to tell you what their 15-year-old problems are. And Anyway, so just kind of a little side tangent to go on. But I know that for me, this has been a challenge that I've thought through this in regards to how I treat uh, how I treat my family. So 
the thought here this week is to put something into practice. Pick one thing, pick one, one another, or pick, yeah, pick one, one another statement, have one conversation, do something. And, you know, my, my hope, and I think, I don't know that, RC, you can put the passage when you send out an email, the Colossians passage, and just kind of just, again, soak in that as well. But my hope is, as I think through this, especially this conversation about listening, my hope is that this week that you would, you would live out the one another statements by being a good listener to somebody. And for me, I know that my challenge is uh, to be a good listener to my kids. Um, but pick somebody or have a conversation where you can just practice being a good listener and uh, having good, deep fellowship with somebody that you're, um, that you'll be in contact with this week. So, all right. And we'll probably pick that up. of just, even just giving you a chance to share maybe at the beginning of next week, something that happened this week, or maybe even like give an example of some time in your life where you've been a good listener, where somebody has been a good listener to you and how that's made a, uh, a difference in your life. So, all right, well, let's pray. And then, uh, then we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you that, um, that you are a relational God, that they, even within yourself, we have the father, the son, and the spirit that you are, relational and you've made us in your image and that we are made to be relational as well. And so God, if we, um, because of the fall, we struggle in many ways, in many relationships that there's work and there's, it's, it's troublesome at times and it's difficult and we wonder what other people will think. And there's just so many challenges that come along with it. God, I pray that you would help to break down uh, some of those hesitations that we may have. Um, and God, as we tried to think through like our need to have fellowship with others, God, one of the easiest ways we can develop that is to have, to, to be a good listener to somebody else and just start to develop that relationship. So God, as we go this week, I pray that there would be conversations that we would have. There would be moments where we can, uh, really listen to, um, to someone, whoever that may be. Um, and that we would just have the chance to do good ministry as we listen to those around us. Um, and God, may we just be quick uh, to listen and slow to speak as that passage in James, um, as it says there. Uh, God, thanks for our conversations and the time together tonight. Pray that you would uh, just give us a great week of doing ministry uh, for you as we seek to live out those one another statements we talked about tonight. We love you. And uh, again, thankful for tonight in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.